Welcome to the Radical Christ who's been blowing our minds for thousands of years. Today we continue our journey in episode 13 where we're looking at midrash, which is not a skin disease caused by too much disinfecting of your hands. Um, midrash is a fascinating biblical studies method that leads us to a whole new understanding of the only commandment worth keeping. I look forward to sharing this with you. So welcome to another episode of the Radical Christ, where we are looking at Jesus as a map for every human life. Um, Jesus brings God back into our own consciousness where we no longer have to project God outwards, despite the fact that again and again we want to take God outside of ourselves, just as we want to take evil outside of ourselves. We want to have a God who's up in heaven, who we can only summon when we need him, and a devil which is back there and away or completely over there and consigned to hell. And Jesus brings those things together in the most wonderful ways. And today um, I want to share with you what has been quite an amazing insight um, that I have come to recently in my explorations using the work of Carl Jung and the Jungian way. Um, and it was Jung who said quite early on in his work that the only since uh, since the death of God and and the move into humanism and the breaking down of all those ultimate values that we had all those years ago where the law was very clear and God was in God's heaven and it was well with the world, as we used to say. Um, Nietzsche says it very blatantly at the end of the 19th century. Uh, yeah, the end of the 19th century. He says, we have killed, uh, God is dead. God is dead, he says, and we have killed him. And ever since then, we've been grappling with what does it means. We've created a Santa Claus God, a big white man on the throne who's got a list and checking it twice, whether he'd be naughty or nice and who rewards you. And some people are still stuck with that. And so um, if it works for them, God bless them. But I, I have a feeling that if we look, as we do today, at the dark side, where we only want a Santa Claus God who rewards the good people like us, what do we do with evil? And the church has forever struggled with facing the darkness of evil it's too easy to scapegoat it and put it elsewhere blame it on devil on the devil chase the devil out of the church and then we can be all righteous here behind our little walls so um i invite you to come with me as we go and explore this whole idea of the midrash um, and as i say it's not a skin disease so uh, join me as we uh, have a look at this So if I said to you, what is the most important commandment? I'm sure pretty much of us could parrot uh, what appears in Leviticus 19 verse 18. Um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. That's repeated. And in the Levitical law, it is you must love your God and love your neighbor. Jesus takes that as is when he is teaching on the greatest commandment and he says you must love your neighbor uh, you must love god you must love your neighbor 
as you love yourself. And then he goes on to also add a rider and says, and you must also love your enemies in his teaching. So love God, love your neighbor, love your enemies. So that is where this um, Midrash process becomes really fascinating and informative. Well, at least I'm excited about it. I hope I can infuse some of the excitement to you. So the Midrash method was a method that was developed by the rabbis studying the ancient Hebrew texts. And, and Midrash, Midrash is a whole approach, a whole a rabbinical approach to the study of Hebrew texts. Today I'm focusing just on one narrow band, which is called vowel substitution. Um, but Midrash has a whole lot of other things going on, and we can't cover it all. But I, I, so I'm not, when I'm describing Midrash, I'm describing a part of the Midrash process, um, not, not the entire uh, methodology. But <clears throat> the interesting part for our study today is that part of Midrash involved the rabbis contemplating very deeply the various Hebrew words because the, the, the scriptures that they were studying, the scrolls that were in front of them, very expensive, very rare, and Hebrew was designed, it came out of cuneiform where it was first letters pressed into mud, eventually it developed in Egypt into a script, um, and the Hebrew that the Bible gets written in the Old Testament and the Torah particularly that is studied by the rabbis, only the consonants are written down to save space. Um, parchment's very expensive and it's just economical. And vowels then are variables. So that is why the most famous of the Hebrew vowel substitutions is with what is called the tetragrammaton, the, the four-letter word, um, <laughs> the good four-letter letter word, don't, don't get mischievous now. And that is the word of Yahweh. Why, if you put it into our, into our lettering, uh, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. Now that can be translated Yahweh, which is probably how most people would translate it. Then it can also be translated Jehovah, but Jehovah is just one way of many. And, and that, of course, kills the argument of the Jehovah's Witnesses who said Jehovah is the only name of God. No, the Tetragrammaton, if you substitute the vowels between the Y and the H and the W and, and, and the three vowel variable places, you can come up with Yahweh, you can come up with Jehovah. You can also come up with other vowel substitutions with the alternative words of Elohim and Adonai that are, are the preferred rabbinic words because you can't really say Yahweh, it's too holy. So you can say Adonai and Elohim. But it all comes out of those same letters. So with that as a background, I want to introduce you to a Jungian scholar by the name of Erich Neumann. Neumann grew up in Berlin and graduates as a, as a Jew and, and, and graduates as a medical doctor in 1933. Note the date. It's at the height of the rise of Nazism. As a Jew and as an avid Zionist, he and his wife were avid Zionists. Um, Neumann um, reads the not Hebrew, writing on the wall, and realizes that, that he needs to get out of, out of Germany. So he and his wife leave Germany just after he graduates in 1933-34, and they move to the newly formed Palestine, as it was called then, and they live in Tel Aviv, what is now Tel Aviv, for the rest of their lives. 
And Neumann is fascinated because of what he's experienced and, and of course, then from Tel Aviv with horror watches the Holocaust and all the terrible things that happen in Europe uh, against, against the Jews. Neumann is fascinated for his whole life as to why human beings can do these terrible, terrible things to other human beings, these atrocities. And um, part of his journey is as a psychologist, medical doctor into psychology, he once, he hooks up with Jung and, and, and he and Jung start a very close friendship. And after the war, he travels to Zurich many times and lectures at the Jung Institute. And, in, and, and as a devout Jew, he also immerses himself in the mystical contemplative arm of Judaism, which is called Kabbalism. So he's a Zionist, he's a Jungian, he's a Kabbalist, and he's wrestling with this primal question, why do humans do such terrible things to each other? What is the root cause? And so in 1990, Neumann writes a book entitled Depth Psychology and the New Ethic. Um, depth psychology, Jungian psychology, and the new ethic. Well, what is the old ethic, you have to ask, before you can talk about the new ethic? For Neumann, as he looks at history, he discovers that for the longest time, law and religion defined for people what is good. So all through history, we have had the law, and we have had our religion, whatever that religion is, and in his case, Judaism or Christianity following out of that, and Islam following out of that, the religions of the book. The law and the religion tell us what is good. And so law-abiding people, religious people, good people follow the law and the religion. It those are the people of the light. Those are the righteous. Those are the elect. Um, I love the Afrikaans word, the eight verkurenes. So those who have been chosen, they are the good. But this is a completely dualistic system. And this is what I want us to make particular note of. It's a dualistic system. So if you've got light and good here under the law and under our religion, then anything that is illegal or not our religion or not of our kind of people is evil. So evil is externalized. It's not here. It can't be here. This is all light and purity and law abiding. So anything dark and shadowy is on the outside put away. <clears throat> and we, we say deliver us from evil. Evil is projected outwards. It is scapegoated. Um, we blame the devil. We create a devil so that we can blame a devil. We have scapegoats um, and we can attack evil wherever we believe we find it. And that is what leads to war because we fight against people who don't live according to our law or who threaten our religion. We are, we are justified in a holy war, we call it, to go and destroy those people. So it's wars, it's scapegoating, just getting rid of people who don't belong um, um, in, in, in African culture, when, when the colonists, the missionaries came, the people who lived in the traditional ways were on the other side of the river. The missionaries would go this side of the river. They would call those people practicing the, the indigenous religion of the ancestors, Amakaba. And Amakaba today in Kosa means you're an illiterate nobody. Um, it's actually a very derogatory uh, word, a pejorative. Amakaba. 
Uh, it's an insult. The Amakorwa are those who come out of Amaka being Amakaba, and Amakorwa are the people who put on the English suit and tie, learn the language, go to the English school, become Christians. Amakorwa, which means the faithful, the believers, the chosen, the people of the light. But notice the how when you when you're the people of the light and you project your darkness outwards, it's far too easy to then project it onto dark-skinned people, don't you think? And so if you can't make you can't accept the dark-skinned people, you call them amakaba. You 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 have to make them you have to lighten them. I mean, I I remember growing up in apartheid South Africa where people. Uh, people of color would buy skin lightening cream and put it on in the hope that they could become light people. I mean, it's it's just horrendous. Uh, it goes to Hitler going to look um, for the Aryan race in the Himalayas, seven years in Tibet and all those those movies made about the, the Nazis searching Tibet for this mystical Aryan race of fair-haired, blue-eyed, enlightened people. Of course, the irony is in terms of genetics, he's looking for all the recessive weak genes. Um, so he wasn't looking for a master race, he was looking for, for all the, the recessive genes, but that's just an irony and a joke. But, but can you see the terrible things that get, the atrocities that get done when you project evil outwards? Wars, scapegoating, racism, genocide. That's the old ethic, a dualistic ethic. So what's the new ethic? Well, here's where the radical Christ just blew my mind and through Neumann um, in the past couple of weeks that I've been reading and, and getting ready for this, this, this podcast, for this, for this episode. So what Neumann discovers through a midrash process that the word that is translated as... as, as, as um, um, neighbor can also be translated to read your evil so it's the most interesting change um, so in, in just using a technique of um, of changing the vowels he he, he realizes that the, the the word that is translated as your neighbor is raka can also be translated as racha, just that switch of the vowels. And so, love God, love your neighbor, can also be love God, love your evil. Can I, can I just allow a moment for that to sink in? Um, my neighbor and my evil, I have to love my evil. So, in terms of the Midrash that Neumann, the Kabbalist, Neumann, the, the Jungian, the biblical scholar, the psychologist, he, he translates Leviticus 18, it can read, and this is quite legitimate, technically correct translation, if you love your evil, so too do I, the Lord, love it. That is the greatest commandment. That is the only commandment. And, and right now, I'm sure your mind is going, no, 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 I need an evil. I need evil to be out there. I need an enemy. I need somebody I have to go and convert to make them like me. I have to go out and proselytize and make people like me. No, no. <laughs> the only person you need to save is you. And the only person I need to save is me. I am the evil. 
I'm the enemy. The enemy is in myself. And, and then you say, but, 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 but if, if I must love my evil and, and enemy is the evil, then mustn't I destroy myself? No, no, no. You mustn't destroy yourself. Because Jesus, remember, said, love God, love your neighbor, love your evil in this translation, and love your enemy. <laughs> and so I am the enemy who Jesus says I must love. And God says, if you love your evil, I also love it. And I integrate it and I make it whole. You don't have to project it onto anybody. And and we'll come back to the crucifixion. But the crucifixion is Jesus saying, integrate. Scapegoat me, it's fine. But I'm going to make you conscious of what you're doing. You're putting all your evil and all your darkness onto me. And you're hanging me on the cross. You think it's going to stop. It's not. You can't kill me. You can't kill love. Love your own evil integrated and here's the process here's the new ethic here is the hope of redemption for the world if i love my evil and a healing happens then i don't have to constantly look for an enemy out there to to project my evil onto and to blame and to fight with and to have wars with and to commit genocide of and to murder and to kill or even just to scapegoat and to be racist about or you know and then we won't have to say black lives matter because, because we all are in this together. There's not different layers based on the color of your skin. You don't have to smear cream on to change who you are. If I do that, and if you do that, if you love your evil and healing happens in you, and, and that takes root like a virus, if that explodes like ammonium nitrate exploded in Beirut in that terrible but graphic picture of boof, what can happen just like COVID exploded ac across the planet. What if we all just loved our evil and that started a dynamic critical mass that really, really could heal and redeem the world? I don't know about you, but for me that is absolutely fantastic fantastic news so for me there's only one commandment love god love your evil and if that makes you seem like the enemy remember to love your enemy because the enemy that is really messing up everything <laughs> is inside of you and inside of me thank you so much for watching and uh, i look forward to the next episode of the radical christ please can i ask if you enjoy these videos to just hit the subscribe um, button on youtube and there's a little bell just just like it it makes a huge difference to the way these videos get out there and uh, and i really do appreciate um, your support and thank you for watching